oh, I guess I don't have a voice because I don't speak like this, but I don't understand this nuance there. I couldn't just naturally be part of the club. My dad wasn't around in my life, so I didn't really have that male figure to like guide and say, hey, you need to be like this sort of man for your family. I still have to keep fighting to move forward to this next stage. Otherwise, like, how am I going to hold down a family or how am I going to be like, different to like what was the absence in my life as well? So I just remembered that image of like the black boy who goes to Canary Wharf. He's got his nice suit, nice shoes. He looks like he's made it. And that's what I cared about. I didn't care where I was working. I always knew that this is not me. I always knew the potential I had. I always knew like I shouldn't be doing this. I should be speaking to these people. I should feel like this. All I've done is kept working on myself to have the opportunity to like do something. Excuses are not reasons and reasons are not excuses. I've just got to do stuff right. And welcome to Everyday Leadership, a podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Leadership and today I have an amazing guest who I'm going to get to introduce himself shortly and just before he does that he's someone who I've seen take a massive leap of faith um, this year to start to create his own company and when you see people doing that I know that there a lot of times there are questions people asking like why did you do that like what's <laughs> what's wrong with you especially like cost of living crisis in this day and time why would you step into something that seems um has quite a high risk but he's done it he's doing it amazingly well but obviously he has a backstory to how he got there and that's why i really just wanted to to talk to him not just for the expertise he provides to amazing companies that he works with now but his journey to really grow and evolve and get to the right mindset to step into what he's doing right now but who am i talking about rowan can you introduce yourself to the audience Hi, um, hi everyone. My name is Rohan Inner. I am the founder of TRI Consulting. Uh, we are a growth operations consultancy that focuses in helping D2C uh, starts and scale-ups really optimize the operations to give that foundation um, for growth from an infrastructural point of view. Nice. And before I delve into TRI Consulting, let's, let's go way back to younger Roman, teenage Roman. What was what was, what was your mind when you were like 11, 12? Them so that was a uh, that was start of secondary school. So yeah. I mean nothing, none, none of this, none of this was on my mind. I was just trying to, I was just trying to fit into school, figure out what what the right thing to say was, um, who I wanted to be. But the the funny thing is, like my school, like I went to school in Peckham, uh, but where I was, you would always see Canary Wharf. But at that time, like, I had no idea like what Canary Wharf meant to you know people in my area or anything but you could always see these tall buildings and I guess we'll work our way to that um, point in the journey but it was always funny like when I first got into like my first um, kind of like big four consulting job that I, I found myself in one of those buildings that I used to see for like for so many years but it was just like this whole distant reality so you know um, 11 year old Rohan had nothing better to do than play basketball play playstation and um, watch watch cartoons man so you grew up in Peckham and I'm curious like what was the what was the gift that you got growing up in, in an area like Peckham I think we we were comfortable being ourselves right because the other thing is I also went to a boys school um 
And if I was always like, oh, what, what? Like, that must have been boring. That's weird. But the good thing was that there were no girls for you to flex around. So <laughs> everyone was just was just being a guy. You were just being yourself, like, consistently, like, throughout the day. And um, because back in those days, not, not really paid kids from attention. Um, kids from packing attention you also just learn to be your undisturbed self so um when i started seeing these opportunities coming for me i didn't feel the need to suddenly start speaking differently acting differently but it was more like nope you kind of have to accept the way i speak this is how i look these are my mannerisms um so i did it i just didn't feel the added pressure to change because I, I guess i didn't know how to change who i was at, at that point Wow, I guess that's quite freeing then. When you have that freedom just to be yourself and you don't have to, like I said, pretend to be something else, you can just like completely unbridled, unbridled, I haven't speak properly, just flow into yourself. Just do you, be you, show up in that, in that audacity and that authenticity as well. I guess it sounds like you connected and resonate with a lot of people that you were, you were meeting that point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but are we are we fast forward into to that point now? Let's let's go. I'm giving you like that that leap or that jump. So it it was um it was a weird one because I fell into consulting like by mistake, right? Um, I I went to uni, didn't get the best grades. I think I got like a two two, and I was like, oh, this is annoying. Um, what can I do to give myself a bit more like leverage um in the working world? So I, I took myself back to do a masters. And at that point, I'd learned I got two two just because I was lazy. Um, so I really learned what it meant to like study, be in the right um, group of people, people that like you don't want to be left behind. So you have to keep up with them, you know. And I really excelled um, in my masters at that point. Was able to get like this role called a productivity specialist, um, which was in a, a boutique healthcare consultancy. At that point, I knew nothing about consulting, so when they told me like um i was gonna go to like scotland for a bit i thought like i had to relocate i had no idea how that consultant thing of like you know go to client side for a bit come back so i was like saying she was my girlfriend at the time i was like getting ready to say goodbye i said goodbye to her and i'm not sure how long i'm gonna be i'm not sure how i'm gonna like be out there but you know <laughs> i'm gonna ride this journey out <laughs> and then um i got into it and then like this this world of oh management consulting um clients blah 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 started to come in but um i had like, when i started applying for roles i never even knew i applied for ey i didn't know what the big four was didn't know what Ernst young was i just saw canary wolf and i just remembered that image of like the black boy who goes to canary wolf like he's got his nice suit nice shoes he looks like he's made it and that's that's all i cared about i didn't care where i was working and then um i remember i i get there and I'd go into the building and you you get taken all the way up to the top floor. And I'm just like, where am I? You see these nice chairs, nice environment. Everything looks clean, prestige, like luxurious. I'm seeing people in meetings. And I feel like that's where I caught the bug for like the consultant, the consultant want to realize, oh, I think I've got a skill set for this industry. Um, and then from that point on, it was just about growing in the company taking steps up like and figuring out okay what i want to do with these skills which i'm sure we'll speak about in the poll which kind of led to another chapter in my life where it was just about like what's in your hands because um you know 
I, I believe like in, in how like Christ has just like led me through like the parts of my journey. And when I was wondering like when I caught that bug of I think I want more than this. Like I feel like I want to have my own business. Like, I want a, the freedom to do stuff. I was like, what do I do? Because at that point, everyone made you feel like you had to have had an app or the, this piece of tech that you just built. But I was always reminded, like of like um, when the Lord asked, like Moses, "What's in your hands?" And I just always used to ask myself, "What's in my hands?" And it was it was always consulting. I'd been in this industry for years. It was the most com um, comfortable for me. So I was just consistently wondering, like, how can I leverage this um, in the start world? But literally, as I'm talking, so many, like, journeys are coming back up to me that uh, hopefully, I'm sure we'll unpack it soon. But, um, yeah. That's dope, though. I mean, it's just when I, if I go back to something you said, when you did your two, when you got your two, two at uni, mm. that's where you went to do your master's. That's when you realized that you were lazy. Yeah. Like, what is it, why is it that it took that long for you to be, what before that what were you saying was the reason why I don't know you didn't get a first or you might have done brilliantly at college or the GCSE level what was your excuse or was the story you were telling yourself at that point uh, that's the thing it was just excuses like it was just um lack of accountability lack of like I knew I wanted to be something but I had to like really sat down to plan the route out or like really understood the implications of not being excellent in this and I just wasn't even mature enough to to grasp that but by the time I'm now finishing university like I'm now thinking of like okay what's the future like um you know this woman and move it looks like we're gonna be like together long term like this could be my wife uni's finishing it's like it's now time for the working world like what's next like everyone's got their shiny two eyes and first and I'm just here like I'm like how am I gonna get by and that reality just really set in me and I was like no I have to do something I have to do something and um yeah, I was like, okay, let's let's find a way to go back and do the masters because that might give me some more leverage or leg up um, in the working world after that. So, yeah, I've always said that like, um, re excuses are not reasons, and you know, reasons are not excuses. So it's just you just gotta do do the stuff right. So you met your, I'm assuming your wife is your girlfriend that you were at that time. Yeah. Oh right, so you met at university. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did she? How did you just talk about you know, this person? You think you might you might spend the rest of your life with and to level up. That also can put pressure on on a man, though. Um, we see it play out all different all, all time. Like there's a lot of ego involved. There's a lot of fear involved, and that can lead to people making some. I'm gonna say some really dumb decisions sometimes. Whereas you went the opposite route. Like actually, what can I do to? do something different and go back and get further education is there something around your character personality were there people you had around you who helped guide you and shape you to make that decision or what was it i think it one of the one of, i've always said one of the biggest things you can ever do for yourself is have good people and a good network around you that's like your your best fail safe so that even if you fail in everything else if your network is still strong like you still have it all to play for. So in my case, um, like my dad wasn't around in my life, so I didn't really have that male figure to like guide and say, Hey, you need to be like this sort of man for your family. But I had like had the church and I had my close friends and what I was seeing around me were these men and holding it down for their families, like doing their jobs, being responsible, 
my friends at the time, like they, they all had their girlfriends. Like everyone's like, you know, talking about what's the next stage. And because we can see the next step right in front of us, like we're like, there's no like um, misconception about like where you need to head to next. So that kept me anchored. It kept me grounded and it kept me knowing that, you know, even in my immaturity, like I still have to keep fighting to move forward to this next stage. Otherwise, like how am I going to hold down a family or how am I going to be like responsible or how am I going to be different than what like, um, how am I going to be different to like what was the absence in my life as well? So yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely that. When did you realize that you were in, I'm going to call it the club, the the big four club? When well, that realization actually hit you? Right, right as I started interviewing. Um, no, no, as I got in, because the funny thing is the first time round, like I got, I got rejected from the role. I thought I did excellent in it. I thought I smashed it. And um, they were like, then they just went silent on me. And then I was emailing, asking what's going on, what's going on here, like this excuse, that excuse. And then I saw the role come up again and I just emailed the recruiter and I was like, look, I've done this whole interview process. I've been to the final stage as well. Like, send me back there. And they did. And the good thing is, yeah, I remember there was a guy, another black guy called Desmond. And after a while, um, he came and told me what was going on behind the scenes. And it was just like, you know, silly reasons, right? Um, but it just shows, as part of that diversity play, like why it's so important to also have people that look like you on the hiring board, part of the interview process, part of the hiring process, because I'm grateful that I feel like his words at that point, because at some point he was just like, why are you being long? Just let him through that. He's proven there's nothing that stops him from doing it. Whereas everyone else is like, I'm not sure he might want to do this. He might want to do that. But he's like, you're just being long right now. And sometimes you just need someone to say, you're just being long. <laughs> just, just let him in. So, um, yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, then I, I get in and now everyone's in a nice suits. You're in like, you're on that like floor 13. You're you're overlooking Canary Wharf. You're starting to realize, you're hearing the facts and figures about how many people apply for a role in a big four and how many people get. You're starting to see partners, associate partners, directors, everyone's just in this space and you're starting to realize, oh wow, like, I'm not impeccable anymore. Like, um, there's, a, there's a whole new world in front of me and that's when it's set into me. I said, like, okay. I think I think I'm somewhere. I think I'm somewhere now. And then, yeah, just started learning lessons from there. Yeah, were you ever scared, intimidated, just being in that environment, or were you like, actually, you know, this 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 fits me like a glove. I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Wasn't more scared yet because at that point, like you do that thing where you go in and you're looking for the bad people, and you're trying to, <laughs> trying to give, yeah, you're trying to give the nod, like to see, like. Are you gonna respond back? And then um but then you find you find people that are like like you. People who come from South, people who come from London, they sound like you. They kinda like all in the game together and that kind of became a bit of a safety net. And um because obviously one one of the biggest things I learned in consulting is actually not about it's not about excellence. Like excellence is the prerequisite, you're meant to be good at what you do. But it was more about the story you can tell at the end of the day and how you can make people see you as you want to be seen. So to that one group, you would see yourself to the other group and you just had to be seen as that. So it wasn't about, you know, fear and intimidation. It was just about, okay, you know this is a game. I know this is a game. 
that let's both play the game um, until I can find my route to that to that level up in the um, in the industry. Depending on who your your lead was, there are certain engagements that were fun, and there are certain engagements that were not so fun. What were some of the lessons that you learned from both? I'm going to say the good engagements and then the ones that were not so great. Yeah, so I think the good thing is that I got to experience both internal because um, I started EY in internal ops before I moved into like client face and consultant a couple of years after, which is also a thing like you don't just have to apply for, you know, the sexy roles, like just get in. Like these are companies that have thousands of employees. Um, once you're in, it's so much more easier to move around. So don't get hung up on not getting a role. If you really want to get into the company, fight other routes in. But um, I feel like my first role was cool. Um, my second role was where I learned like the reality of, well, I call it like corporate bullying or like whatever you want to call it, or where I learned the reality of when they say like in corporate people will step on your toes, won't care about it. And um, where if you're not in control of your own narrative, someone else will tell it for you. Um, and if you don't have like people at high places, like i.e. sponsors that can speak for you, dangerous, like they like, you might as well just get shot. Like you might as well just get like shot in a barrel or like a fish in a barrel, right? So there were that's where I started to learn about how oh, I guess I don't have a voice. Oh, I guess because um I don't speak like this or I don't speak like that, or because I'm not in that group or I don't understand this nuance there, I I could I couldn't just naturally be part of a club because remember I said one of the things was I was just myself. So to a certain degree, I didn't even know how to pretend to be like the others. It would just look too unnatural, feel too unnatural. I just couldn't do it. So it meant that when they weren't willing to come to my side, and also if I wasn't willing to come to that side, there was always going to be that like um, polarity between the two sides. So, so the minute that happens and someone has like maybe something against you, it's just hard to like win over that relationship. Or the minute someone feels that like you're you're annoying it's just it's just hard so I, I really learned about um if you've got like a bad supervisor and you don't have anyone above them um it's very dangerous i remember like there was an incident i felt like um uh i felt like confidentially had confidentiality had been breached so i was being spoken to in a very undermining way and no one was really like listening to me about it and even like the what do you call it um I forgot to call that your your counselor person, the person that's meant to like kind of be your coach throughout the thing. I felt like there were leaks coming through them as well. And I just remember like I was part of like uh, the EYB and the EY Black Network. I know there was this guy who was a senior manager, his name was Andrew, like God bless him. The guy just came and like had a chat and he was like, people are going to fight for less. Like you need to like relax in the way you're speaking to him. And from that day, like I never had that issue again. So that showed me like why you really need people like above you to speak for you, um, because yeah, consort consort can be very, it can be very um, hurtful like if you don't have like the right gods around you. Yeah, don't even know if that answered your question. No, it does, and because you just spoke to that importance of, like I said, the sponsorship piece, having your eyes open. Because there are a lot of things that happen around you that don't necessarily have anything directly to do with you, 
but it impacts you. And if you walk around naively, especially in that world, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get burnt real quick. Um, but they also spoke about the power of relationships. How, because this is obviously something that carries on all the way throughout. So I'm curious, like, how did you begin to build relationships with senior leaders who then became your sponsors, who then could speak for you? What was it around that connection that you were able to, yeah, I guess, develop with people to learn how to do that? I think of one, one being part of networks um, that you genuinely, like, can vibe with. Um, so, obviously, I was part of, like, EYBN, but I was also part of, like, EYCN, the UI Christian Network. In there, there were like partners, senior managers as well. So um, sometimes like you just go in and then you're trying to book 15 minutes in everyone's diary, like in all the partners' diaries, because everyone has told you to do that. But that partner is getting like 20 people that they've never met before, just trying to get time in because everyone's trying to get that sponsor. But when you do it more from the join the network where you have a um, an interest in, and when you see someone else that's there for the same interest as you, and there's something a bit more organic um, around building a foundation on that. And then the other things always talk about like what you're trying to achieve because um, there's more helpful people than you know. And if you're always talking about that, like, um, oh, I know this person, like go speak to them and that's actually what happens because that warm inch. The funny thing about consulting is when you're in there, you're once again, you know, I had to make a CV for myself once I was in there because you have to, you have to apply to be on projects that your company that you work for is pushing out there. You have to prove your you have to prove why that um why the engagement manager should also put you on that piece of work. You have to show that, oh, you have a growth story. So everything about that was you have to network even within there. You have to sell your story. You have to keep telling people what you're about. You have to keep selling people the vision of like where your growth could be if it, if only they invest a little bit of time in you as well. So if you can find, just find a network that you really vibe with, that comes natural to you, and then start working, start working through there. That's how I built relationships. So how did you know it was time to leave when you went from um, moving from EY and then you went to Deloitte? Yeah, um, so I started seeing the games because uh, I remember, like, oftentimes, like, they, like, you could be, like, a senior consultant in one firm. And you apply for the same SC level and another one, and then they try and walk you down to to a C, and then, which which happened um, only that they just paid more, and I was like, hey, my family needs to eat, so I took the money and I took <laughs> I took the job, <laughs> I took the job down. <laughs> but um, now after a while, I was like, no, no, you know what? I think I've I've done too much in EY to drop down, so I use I now use the leverage of I've been at EY and Deloitte, and I went to like. Um, I had a friend at Capgemini that I'd met all about my first job and the power of networks and keeping in contact with people. And he's like, hey, we're hiring. He's like, apply. And then I applied and I got it. And um, I remember even at that point, they still tried to bump me down the game, like to be like, oh, I don't think you're right fit. And this time I said, nah. <laughs> like, I went back and I sent like a whole list of the reason why you can't do this is because I have this experience, that experience, that experience. I've done this, 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 this and that. And the guy was like, oh, you know what? It's true. Had a, had a chat with him and I was like, yeah, we'll we'll bring you back up to the role that you applied for and stuff like that. So that, because I now understood the game at that point, I knew not to just accept it and to actually fight my case because they, the same way I've spent energy going through that whole process, you spent energy going through that process as well. So it's easier for you to just keep me 
then lose another potential good person um, for for your company as well. So went through all of that, um, but at a point where I just realized that it's not fulfilling me anymore. I'm tired of like the little backbitings you get from people. I'm tired of like um, always like watching. You're always trying not to get stepped on. As much as people say we're inclusive or this or that, no. It's not the company, it's it's the people that you work with as well. And um, I was just tired of that game. And I remember I listened to a podcast called um, Start, I think I think it was called Startup. And it was a story of um, Gimlet Media and how they, they sold to Spotify for like 200 mil. And they were just like interviewing startups. Like they were just walking around with a mic and just like telling this story, um, this audio story. And I just like, I heard of, I heard of lots of different stars, but the one that piqued my interest was like Backstage Capital with um, Arlen Hamilton. And I found out about the world of the world of venture capital through that. I was like, oh, this sounds fun. This sounds cool. That maybe I want to be a VC. Um, quickly realized I didn't want to be a VC because I still felt like the, I feel like there's so many issues in that space. But the key thing is that it led me into the world of startups. And I was like, oh, everyone seems a bit less pretentious. Yeah, and everyone was just like, genuinely trying to achieve something um so i then started asking around just went on linkedin typed to vc started messaging everyone like oh can i get 15 minutes just like to find out more through that i found out about something called diversity vc who will do like this masterclass. learned a bit about that through there then i came across angel investing and then i started researching that came across someone called andy Ayim, um who now has like angel investing school and i think from diversity vc i had learned to start adding all these like people on vc on on twitter and stuff like that just to see like what they were posting and through that i saw the scholarship for angel investor school and applied for it and then then got into it and then angel investor school really like showed me more about what is it like on the ground as a startup what, what does the ecosystem look like blah 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 all of that happened while i was still all that happened while i was still in ey actually just rounding up and then um that's when i knew okay like this is the space i want to be in which is where the initial thing i spoke about like what's in your hands came in because i was like i have a skill i can kind of see where i want to go but I, i'm still struggling to like find find the bridge find find that connect and one thing i kept learning is that it doesn't matter that i've done the big four in this world like they don't even know who ui is like it means nothing to them like um and i've always maintained that if you want to go from consulting to working in startups you have to unlearn like 85 90 percent of what you've learned um working in um working in consultant that's a large number to unlearn like 80 to 90 percent why are you saying that when you're in consulting you work in these large organizations full of thousands of people you you live an abundance of research all your frameworks are based on um resource all your all your frameworks are based on an organization that has lots of resources everything about what you do is for an enterprise a large corporate that has loads of people to carry out what you need once you get into startups slash scale-ups, as you know, even a seven-figure, like eight-figure scale-up could still be a team of like five or seven people. Um, so you still don't have all the resources that you need and you still have to find a way to be agile and, you know, not have 
you know, all these process maps down to, down from from like level zero down to like level like five, six, seven, like all mapped out. So you have to you have to unlearn that thing that makes you try and find the structure, try and find, you know, the deeper process and you have to be more willing to make it as you go along or um be ready to pivot and turn and not be so like tied down into a certain way of doing things. So you, you have to learn it. Um, but what you should keep is you should keep the appreciation of what good process feels like and what good structure feels like and always be aware of like where's the gap between where you are right now and where that point of structure um, should be which is why I think um, I've been able to like marry the two or see like certain things that you know some people can't see but also people who have been in the game like see stuff that I can't see as well. So it's it's a good balance. Like no one's more qualified than the other, but everyone's just bringing the best of their skills. If I was to follow through on that Bible verse of when God asked Paul, is where you got in your hands, he made a series of excuses of why he couldn't step forward and go to Egypt and, come and um, challenge Pharaoh to release the, the people of Egypt. Now, when I think about your situation and you're thinking about stepping into what you're doing now like you said you got family now you got even more responsibility now and you're about to leave this nice that's a comfortable well-paying established kind of role and step into the unknown what was it that helped you do that yeah once again the church like this faith because i always like i always knew that this is not me like i always knew the the potential I had I always knew like mm, no I feel like when I'm going to be this age I'm not going to be that age I shouldn't be doing this I should be speaking to these people I should feel like this so it wasn't like a sense of like um being selfish but I was like I was too I was too confident in like where I should be going that I wasn't going to be like enticed by the comfortability of just staying there because anyone who really plays your cards right like before you're 30 and if you're like doing you know the corporate jumping from company 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 you could either be on six figures or like just flirting with it like so i knew that i could stay and just like be on six figures like easily or i can take this like i can take these steps and start building on the future that i want so i can be the husband and the father that i want to be so that i can have the flexibility that i want like the trade-off it wasn't even a trade-off it was like no I'm not getting fooled by this. Like, this is where I'm going. And I know that it's just a matter of, um, speak like, spoke to my wife by it. We had to have that kind of like financial plan. I know, the, I know those conversations. <laughs> it was good, man. Thank God, man. She was really like supportive. Like she was challenging, like where she was meant to be challenging. Because sometimes when you've just got this drive, you're more willing to just forego certain things because you've got the drive. It's not that she didn't have the drive. She had the drive, but, She's been the calm head um, for me as well and said, okay, no, hold off, wait, don't do it. Um, we need to have this in place, this in place, which is why I always say that my transition from um, full-time into like working on myself was like, was so seamless that there was no dip. There was no like, oh, no days, like we can't save as much as we used to. We can't do this. There was no like difference whatsoever just because of that planning. It just allowed a real, a real seamless step, and then into that upwards motion as well. So, um, yeah, I'm really grateful that it happened that way because I know it doesn't always happen like that. But 
the planning, like the planning is 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 essential. And people often forget that, like, um, it's it's it be- it's definitely better to be in a role making some money than you're stressed like two weeks in because you're like, oof, this person just dropped out on me, and I have no idea. But if you've got the money coming in, you can at least still keep feeding it or trying to find old people to do the work on your behalf while you prepare yourself to like make that um, transition yourself if you haven't already can you please follow the podcast it really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's a podcast worth listening to which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it an apple podcast if you click the three dots in the top right of your app Look for the follow button and click on it. And in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. I think it was yesterday the day before I was having a conversation with someone. We were talking about the, I think the average in, U, in the UK now, I think it's gone down again to like 26, 147 or something like that. Um, and I asked the question like, why do you think that is? That there are a lot of people who are capable of doing way more than the current day right now. So what is it that actually keeps people stuck? And one of the reasons that person says like, yeah, but a lot of people might have responsibilities. So they might have families to feed and look after. And then I was like, yeah, but isn't that just an excuse? Because to your point, it's like, actually, this gives me a lot more flexibility. This allows me to be a better husband and father anyway. So I'm doing it for my family is actually part of them. So I was like, if I take that excuse off the table, what is it? And fundamentally, this comes down to fear. Uh, fear is one thing that keeps people stuck. And the way you just described that movement that you made from working in consultancy to becoming a fractional CEO and running your and starting your own company seems smooth. But not only that, you've now been able to land and work with some amazing clients who have amazing brands so you didn't just even just in a sense start at the bottom I want to put it that way you started with some really great clients but I know the reality is a lot of times it might look that smooth and seamless there are things that you have to do the relationships you need to bring up people you need to talk to and apart from the planning process that you have to do with your wife there's a lot more to it and I kind of want to unpack that for like what was that for you so once I was listening to this, I'm not thinking like, yeah, I can do this and jump and yeah, have a conversation with my partner. We're blessed. Like, well, that's that's not reality. If I think about it, so this journey really started in COVID. So I was still at EY. So forgot how many years ago COVID was. <laughs> like 2020? 2020 to 2021-esque. Yeah. So it's 2023 now. But I started the groundwork back then, like doing a lot of free work for startups speaking to as many founders as i could like doing a lot of um just sign up to be mentors in in all these accelerators the new ones the established ones just keep signing up to be a mentor keep learning like founder empathy um i kept sending people like here's my plan here's my plan show a bit of value tell them what you're trying to do show a bit of value tell them what you're trying to do in that time like also keep asking now once you've done it like you ask them okay so what did you think I did for you? Like, I know what I feel I did, but like, how, what did you perceive that as? Like, what would you say my value is? If I was going to go on an event, like, what sort of event? What do you think I'd be speaking about? What would be my keynote topic? Like, try and see how um, this ecosystem is seeing you. And then um, 
I also started learning the big thing about the language that they need to hear. So I've always learned operations from like a really technical point of view, like operating models, people's processes, platforms, capabilities, like value chains. Like I've always understood it from that point, but not everyone sees ops as that point. To someone, my value to them is not creating this huge, like, you know, robust operating model. It's removing you from the day to day as a founder. That's like, that's, that's where my value ends. That's, that's all you want to hear. For others, it's building the infrastructure to allow you to scale up and that focus on the things that you need to do. So I started learning about how I had to reframe my language, which is also the part of unlearning from corporate. Corporate will make you speak like that. Like it is, you don't realize you do it until you're now speaking to someone else and you you realize you're the only person speaking like that in this room. So I really learned about the language. And the, the funny thing is when I changed the language is actually when the big turning points came because it, it I just didn't seem like just like, you know, far off person. I was coming with all these fancy words. I just speak to them plainly because they're just people who have had a great idea and, you know, they really push them and achieve stuff. Like they're not here for the fancy words. They're here for results and growth. And you just need to speak to them on that level because they're already stretched, they're already busy. Um, as well so i think yeah that's my answer to that really let me ask you this based on what you've talked about with learning and relearning that you have to do in the corporate world and based on your experience both in the corporate and in the startup world would you advise someone to have a corporate background before they start to run their own business or would you advise someone to go straight in so if someone to have a corporate background to start a business or just go straight in. Um, I think that the big one is speak to the people who are already doing it. Like regardless if I was in EY, like being in EY, Deloitte and Capgem, like only gave me a more scientific appreciation of business, like the, the skeleton behind it. Right. But then so many people who are founders right now don't have that corporate background. Um, a lot of them have never seen a process map. A lot of them have never seen an organizational chart. But yet, they grow excellent businesses. So, if anything, the best thing you can ever do is whatever space you feel you're trying to head into, just reach out. Like, say, I'm going to speak to that 20, 30 people. And oftentimes, when you reach out to someone and say, um, I'm not trying to sell you anything. Like, I'm just trying to get to where you are. Like, I'm sure you can remember what that felt like. Can you give me some advice? Those people can resonate with that. And I'm more willing to actually give you the five or the 10 or the 15 minutes. And then you really start learning the intricacies of, oh, what it actually takes to do this. Because most people will say, oh, you need to write your business plan. You need to do this. Then you write this 30-page document. Like, yeah, and you laminate it and you've got it. And you spent like a month doing that when you could have spent a month in the field talking to the customer, making like, you know, 20 prototypes till you're finally starting to get somewhere, making connections, going to this event, doing that. Like That's actually where more detraction would have come from. But um, I wouldn't have known that unless I was already talking to people and like gaining the wisdom from them. So regardless if you've got the background or not, um, and it sounds cliche, but you've got to spend time speaking to people and trying to get the, the real nitty gritty of like what entering this life looks like. If I just don't like talking to people and have a very shy 
introverted, deeply introverted person that just, I don't like to go to events. I don't like to speak on stage. I don't like to mental like you've done. Like, does that mean that I'm just stuck then? I think it means that you're stuck because the good thing is that there's lots of founders that are um, introverted as well. But you have to find, like, what's your comfort zone now? Like, what, what can you do from that place? So if you don't want to speak to people, um, is it in person or do you just love like, speaking to people at all? Or like, are you finding with a video or are you finding with an email? Like, are you finding with a letter as well? Like, um, what's that point where you feel comfortable, like, establishing a connection with? Because that, that's the thing, like, um, and I'm sure there's examples out there, but from what I've seen, like, you need to have some way of establishing connections with other um, with other people, because, like, no man is an island, and you're always going to need, like, someone to, like, help bridge the gap from, like, point A to point B, so whatever that medium is, like, find other people who are already, like, speaking that medium and, and do it, or if you are, especially if you're shy and stuff, um, you just... If, if there's an event and you feel like it looks cool, find someone trusted and be like, can we go together, please? And like, just soak it in, soak it in, soak it in. Um, and oftentimes, like the best conversation start from there. Because I've always realized that, um, you know, like two people enter a lift, no one said anything. But that's because you both feeling just as awkward as each other. So I often, like, I often say like, whose ball do I want to call? I mean, whose call do I want the ball to be in like? Do I want to hold the ball? So it's more comfortable for me to control the situation and actually make actually make the first um, step of speaking to you. And now like, there's a dynamic, there's a different dynamic now because you appreciate me for making this situation feel easier for you. So I'm now in more of a position to like, ask something for you. Or maybe it's better for me to take a step back, but give you the room to start it so that you feel invested in me like you feel like oh i have value to offer from you i really i'm just trying to get it from you anyway so i've got a new talking now versus i start talking so it's understanding these dynamics and like figuring out what you want to get from this conversation because that involves you just there's an there's a authenticity to what you just referred to where you don't have to do something that someone else has done you can do something that feels natural good to you and because it's also personal to you it's just that extra step and then it's something that, as I listen to you talk, a question comes up to me is like, do you have a very high, um, should I call it, failure tolerance? And because I've, I've heard you say it in the past that you're a very big fan of building building in public, like you build your personal brand in public and everything else. So would you say naturally you have a very high failure tolerance and you're okay with just failing? Yeah, I mean, um. It's more of the humility thing. And obviously, like, everyone's working each day to be more humble, but I'll never sit here and, like, pretend like the whole path was, like, perfect, nor even in the quote-unquote successes when I now establish myself as the guru of how, of how it is to be done because there's, there's always someone that knows better than you. And the failures will come, but at least for me, I know that all oh, my success was never to do with me, like, I was never even like a real a real big player in this. Like I, it was always like through faith. It was always through the grace that I was able to get to where I was. So that mindset alone, I, I'm still aware of like um, the hard times. Still aware of like crunch times and stuff. But because I know, like I didn't even do this. Like, I never brought myself here in the first place. Here, so 
I'm just going to keep continuing um, to walk in that, which is why I try and make a point of that. And a lot of my posts or when I'm doing stuff, I try and say, hey, like, I ascribed it, I ascribed this to like Christ, like it's not even me. Um, because truly it's not, but all I've done is kept working on myself to have the opportunity to like do something. Um, whereas if I didn't have these skill sets, if I didn't decide, oh, I knew this is a master's, if I didn't make certain steps in life, like, I wouldn't have been at the position where I could have like capitalized on the opportunities that were coming um, my way. So it's not that I have a failure tolerance, I just, more I'm more like convinced of the grace like upon my life and just walking in the confidence of of that um yeah I feel it's all right it's, it's fine to feel like, it's cool but can you learn from it kind of do you believe there's such a thing as being too humble no I, I I don't um because like at what point are you are you like not humble enough like out at what point of humility was it too much humility like humility like humility is always about like low, like lowering yourself and not trying to see yourself above anything. So the minute you see your potential, where you could have poked your head a bit, hey, not relax, like go go back there. So that's another thing for you to um, another thing to work on. And obviously, like in um, in academia, they'll call it the the servant servant leadership or something like that. Servant leadership, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um when you're more concerned about doing good service and being useful to someone else, um, all you can ever truly, like to do that thing truly, 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 all you can ever be is humble. So it's, you would much rather that someone says you're too humble than tells you that you need to relax. Like, and being humble also doesn't mean you're like, for want of a better word, like an idiot. <laughs> like, you also have to be very aware. Like I'm always very aware of my skill and I'm also, I'm very aware of like how I can speak. I'm very aware of what I might look like to someone else. I'm very aware of my journey, but at the same time, I'm never going to rub it in your face. So um, being humble is just not exalting yourself, but it's not denying like your, your value either. Yeah. Which I think sometimes is where that can easily happen where it's like, I don't know. I've done amazing work, but I don't want to talk about it. It's about no people need to know and recognize what it is you do, how the skill sets that you have, so that even grows you as a as a business as a founder. But like you said, there's a limit to that as well, where it becomes ego, and being able to know and understand that fine line. To the earlier point of having people around you, I mean, I would say that when you should got a good partner, they'll and kids, they'll humble you real quick. So, so if you've been needing that, so it's having that around you. But I guess as then I think about your your journey, amazing group of clients that you're working with now. How do you then begin to grow and scale, and how are you navigating that side of that that next chapter of your journey? Yeah, I think um, it's now. I think I'm at the stage where I'm trying to remove my face from the brand like i'm trying to not make it be like oh Ro did this but the system that he's built is an is enabling that success is enabling growth so because i always used to think how can i make the ey for startups like the financial business model didn't work but i think i'm i'm starting to find how i can make it work and in this phase and i'm starting to see okay i'm bringing that like um sorry i can't speak 
I'm learning to step away from the forefront, like really being on the ground to like, okay, stepping one step back, stepping one step back and just focusing on um, ensuring that the value is like, can't only be given by me, but the value is given by the system that I've built for other people and just focusing more on the relationship aspect um, with these founders and knowing when I need to look at the picture from like the top or knowing when I need to now jump in sort something out and come back out um, again. Uh, some people say remove yourself completely. And that's fine. Like, I'm not even a year in. Like, I still take value from being in the field and learning, like, what it means to do something with your own hands so that when I do get to that stage where I'm j I'm not really doing anything tactical, but everything's purely, like, BD, relationship management, I'm speaking from a place of experience, having done it at corporate and also having roughed it out, like, with the founders like in the early hours of the morning like learning like why are you thinking that way um learning like all the little like tricks and stuff to 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 do or hacks as they say um when you're in tight situations so what's one thing that surprised you about the, the founder ecosystem that you only found out by working in it and doing what you're doing with um with track consultancy so with that it's um what's the word you know how I said, like, in consulting, you have frameworks for everything. Like, mm -hmm. in fact, the, the true DNA of any, like, consultant is you live by frameworks, like, in order to work through problems. So you don't have to know everything, but you need to know how to solve a problem and you need to know how to, like, get through things uh, methodically. But when you go to the founders, they did it just sometimes by brute strength, like, and just say, mm, no, take enough for Arthur. This, this thing is happening. And that's something I kept seeing. I kept seeing like the the obsessiveness of like trying to get this thing. Sometimes the impatience of it all, but all of that mixture coming together to actually like force the thing into play. Whereas sometimes the consultants would be guilty of, hey, let's go back to the board. Let's, let's write this down. Okay, let's let's pick out the right framework. Where are we on this framework? Da -da 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 -da. The founders already like had the conversation and they're like closing on the deal by the time you know, you're all getting ready to do your discovery analysis and like doing the synthesis and like, you know, getting ready to present it. Like, so I learned about the speed of like execution and being completely comfortable with having like less than the bare minimum, but knowing you can still work with that. Um, everyone talks about it, but when you see it like with your own eyes and like see how quickly you can move, you're like, okay, cool. Like the game, the game's different in all less. What are um, some of the lessons that you have learned through your, I want to call it, both your relationship as a husband and a father that have been helpful for you to grow and develop as a man? It's the bigger picture, right? Like, um, and I saw this actually, once again, in the consortium, like when you saw the partners, and I've always said this here, like, I'm never going to believe anyone tell me that they've seen a partner who has a, a amazing family dynamic like an amazing one like where they feel like their kids see them enough or where their wife or husband feels like yep you're home enough like I remember when COVID came I was speaking to a partner and he was scared to go back to his family like he was like oh I'm not used to being there for so long because you know he's normally in London and they're in Scotland or yeah I think Scotland I was like that's weird <laughs> so when I see when I see my wife, like, I see my kids, I'm like, oh, 
and I'm and I'm still feeling that guilt. Oh, I didn't really get time to like read a story, or I want to. I like I can see this skill in you. Like I'd love to have like the hours in the day to like develop that out in you. Or you know, we've got kids like that, so that already means time is scarce. Like you really want to like prioritize date nights, and like you don't want anything to take that away. So it's always like knowing like what what goes beyond the business. Like um, you know, like when they say, okay, you've made the revenue, but what about the profit? At the end of the day, like that's the real thing. Like, did you make profit or did you not? Like, are you able to slow down or do you have to keep going at this crazy pace to keep afloat? Which means that you don't actually really have a good foundation um, behind you. So, for me, I'm like, I don't want to do business forever. I want to do it to a point where um, I can be financially free and then I don't need to like be a billionaire. I just need to have enough to be in the life of like my family to the extent that I want to be what, what would you do you're financially free what would you spend your time doing firstly um so I'm doing more stuff with my wife like um and it's not even like going on holiday and going to this country but like, just fun quirky little things like and also like giving her the freedom to be like to be free as well like, we can learn how to knit like we'll just do something stupid um, not that name stupid, but just so that's like, <laughs> or even like my kids, like, oh, you, you see, oh, like you can, you can keep rhythm. Like, I'm gonna buy your drum set, or I'm gonna, I can see that you're quite good at reading. I'm like, gonna, I'm gonna take time to maybe like teach you more words. So, it's, it's not even doing extravagant things. It's just doing the normal things um, that allow you to just like have the exposure to people that you want. So. Because I've never, I've never really been someone to, like, like I, I like a holiday, but I've never been someone to buy cars or do this. Like, I actually really, I'm a homebody. I like doing stuff, like, at home and buying this or, like, on the PlayStation and, like, you with family. Like, so when my kids, like, they have a Paw Patrol game and I'm trying to teach them how to play from now because I'm like, okay, if you keep this up, like, we can play games together like, in a year and that's going to be a whole new experience. So even, like, I'm learning how to do my daughter's hair because I feel like that's something that will make me more connected to them if in the future I'm really good at it and they don't have to go to the hair shop and then we get like two hours to just talk and do a hair and doing hair like you appreciate me in a different way because of that so I love the the simplicity of it but it's also simplicity but connectivity Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of times People have this big lofty goals and you forget about actually what's most important. Um, and you'll be able to kinda of hone in on that, which I appreciate. And I'm coming roughly towards the end of this, but there are two more questions I want to ask you. Um, the first one, I want you to fill in the the blank. So it's a question I recently just started asking. And the question is, every black man deserves what? And I want you to tell me what that what is. Oh, interesting. Mm. I mean, the word that comes to mind is appreciation. Yeah, appreciation from firstly, 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 family. Um, obviously, appreciation from the world because um, I don't always like playing into the narrative that we know too well about, like you know, the plight of black men in the world, but. Um, if you forget how the world treats us, but like what we see within our own community as well, um, 
if you do see a black man like actually still there like like just roughing it out like whether he's in a high powered job or you know he's just trying to do you know a, a cleaning job at like at night in a toilet somewhere just to put food on the table and sometimes you just like allow them to get on a bit like your man or but the little comments go a long way in just like reminding the person like as to why you're doing this like this sacrifice that you made that mental stress that you were going through that waking up early that you were going through like the ones who you're doing it for like if they can give you the acknowledgement that it's working and it's felt like that goes um that goes a long way like even for me like doing this like sometimes when it does get hard when you've got multiple pilots with issues happening simultaneously and you're trying to find a way to work it out like it can get tiring um and it's nice when you just hear a thank you from like your wife or like your kid comes and just decides to sit next to you or sit in an apple like show you a picture and that's why right or even like for me like something i'm trying to actively do more and it's like i'm trying to pray more i'm trying to look after them from that angle um as well like when i can say okay everyone i'm just gonna read this bible story we're just gonna pray and they they say thank you or i see them responding to it or like oh daddy can like can we can you pray for me before i sleep that's what the appreciation looks like um to me uh, so i think every black man deserves appreciation and how do you define leadership um service man service um you have to like, the funny thing about being a leader is like uh obviously as you know like Everyone just thinks you sit at the top, we make decisions, you get a good PR, blah, 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 blah. But really and truly, while also trying to grow yourself, you're looking at everyone else around you and like at least the good leader is asking, oh, how do I grow you? Even if it means that in a business term, in a business sense, oh, you might just go off somewhere about Nevertheless, like, how do I make you better? How do I give you that environment that you're going to thrive in? How do I not make you feel like burnt out? And how how do I make you feel like you could be a better person for your family um, as well? So you have to have that mind, uh, that mind of service. And um, I was speaking to, I was speaking to like a good friend, Paul, and just thinking about, um, obviously there's financial profit margins, but like, what about the person that's like profitability to, you know, the people around it, like, um, are you as a leader enabling them to have an impact in the lives of like the people that they're surrounded by? Um, and what's your role in that besides you using them to grow your business, besides using them to do this, but are, can, can they use you to be something in their system as well? And it's that kind of like trade off there. So, um, like the leadership aspect is definitely about just service. I'm a founder. I'm listening to you talk and I'm wondering do I need to run services or not? How would I be able to know if I need someone like you to work with me? Yeah, funny. Um, I've always said that because it's such a, um, I don't know what to call it. With operation, everyone knows marketing, everyone knows sales. Those are the sexy parts of business. But the ops piece is the one that everyone remembers when something broke. <laughs> like, um, So I would say, well, if something feels broken, like, if you feel like you're in the business too much, if you feel like things still feel clunky, there's still miscut, there's still like communication gaps, there's still things that you're wondering like why did this get missed? Um, that's the perfect time to come because there are signs or symptoms of 
there's gaps in the infrastructure and you just probably need someone with the kind of system mindset to come in and show you where they are and plug it so you can now go back to just being a founder and going out there I can preach into the world about your amazing business this is someone who as you listen to has got the experience in corporate learned stepped into the entrepreneurship world built up a great list of clients I mean you got his website which would be in the show notes receipts are there like and um, Ron is definitely someone that I would highly highly recommend to to work with um, because he he really does say what he does he comes in and he just unpacks things for you makes your life so much easier if you're willing to listen I'm going to put that caveat there because some of you founders don't want to listen to people so you need to be able to listen <laughs> and take and take action um, but definitely check him out um Amazing man, amazing father, amazing husband. And I just appreciate this conversation today and just sharing some of your journey with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Genuinely, I appreciate it. This is Everyday Leadership. We will see you all next week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out of what we got coming up next week.